Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Stay tuned for this, the CBS Radio Mystery Theater and our next news at 12 midnight. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Marshall. There are some events so unforgettable, they're almost impossible to describe. How many of you who hear me now remember pictures of thousands of weeping Frenchmen in the streets of Paris as the German conqueror rolled down the Champs-Élysées? Another occasion that caused literally an entire nation to cry aloud, so great was the sadness, happened 115 years ago, one April day. We have looked into this tremendous tragedy, and for the first time on Mystery Theater, we'll reveal to you the secret behind the great conspiracy. John Wilkes Booth. Well, you're not by any chance the famous actor. I was, but I shall perform no more, Doctor. Only one play interests me now, and that is Venice Preserved. I shall play that. Well, isn't that the story that... To save Venice, plotters plot to do away with the entire Venetian cabinet? Yes. For liberty, all the leaders must be assassinated. Our drama, Conspiracy, written especially for the Mystery Theater by G. Frederick Lewis, stars Kevin McCarthy. It is sponsored in part by Sunkist Growers Incorporated. I'll be back shortly with Act One. We are in New York City, November the twenty fifth, eighteen sixty four. The curtain has rung down on a performance of Julius Caesar starring three actors who are related. The three great matinee idols of the day. Junius Booth playing Cassius, Edwin Booth as Brutus, and John Wilkes Booth, Mark Antony. The curtain calls have been taken. Edwin and Junius have returned to their dressing rooms. John Wilkes, alone, stands on the darkened stage. Where did I go wrong in the friend's Roman's countryman's speech? Oh, what a fall was there, my countrymen. Then I and you and all of us fell down while bloody treason flourished over us. Oh, now you weep. Ah, that's the place. That's where I went off the track. No, 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 do it this way. While bloody treason flourished over us. Oh, now you weep. Very quietly. That's it, that's it. Who's that? Mr. Booth, uh, this is a great honor. I, I came round to the, the back of the stage to thank you. You're quite welcome. Your name, sir? Uh, Louis Payne, Mr. Booth. Uh, Maybe hard for you to believe this, but tonight... 
I saw Mark Anthony live. Why, thank you. You see, this is the very first play I've, I've ever seen. I, I've been a soldier most of my life. Well, that's goody. I suppose that keeps you on the go. Are you stationed hereabouts? Uh, no, Mr. Booth. Uh, when war broke out, I enlisted with the 2nd Florida Infantry. Uh. <laughs> I was also at Gettysburg and then with Mosby's Raiders. Uh. A, a few very tight spots that uh, ended me in a hospital in Baltimore. Now, <laughs> here I am. Yeah, for a young man, you've seen quite a bit of action. Oh, I'm strong. I, I can give as good as I get. But uh, tonight, Mr. Booth, seeing you on this stage, oh, that, that strength melted. I wept like a child. You have a way with words yourself, Mr. Payne. <laughs> well, let's come back to my dressing room for a bit of wine. Have another glass full, Lewis? And I expect you to call me John Wilkes. Oh, a great honor. That's yours. As high as the glass will permit, a great honor nonsense. We're both men of action. It's fate that has brought us together. You know, Macbeth, fate plays a big part. The witches... Oh, I'm, I'm afraid not. Macbeth, there was a man of action. But in my case, fortunately in my life, I have no Lady Macbeth to upstage me. <laughs> Lewis, why don't you come with me to Washington? You mean after the war? This cursed war. Hmm. I'm a man of peace, you know. I love peace. For four years, I've hoped and prayed for the dark clouds to break. But now... Huh? Oh, I see that all hope of peace is dead. The South is your home, Mr. Booth? John Wilkes, I told you, Lewis. Oh, yes. John Wilkes. Yes, yes, I have ever held the South was right. The very nomination four years ago of Lincoln warned of war. The election proved it. Brother piercing brother's heart. How wicked... I could use your strength in Washington. Uh, I'll be honest with you, sir. I'm a deserter from the Confederate Army. Ah. Well, who is to know? You've seen enough action. Nothing to be ashamed. You and I must strike a blow for freedom. Well, what will you do in Washington? A great play, sir. A great act in a play called Freedom for the Confederacy. Come with me to Washington, Lewis. I will make you one of the principals in my play. I beg your pardon, sir. I wonder if you could tell me who is the owner of this land. Why do you ask? Well, I've been up and down this part of Maryland, and I thought I might like to purchase a farm, you know? My card, sir. John Wilkes Booth. I was told by an old friend of mine in Bryantown, Dr. William Bowman, he said that there might be some land for sale, and I should try to find Dr. Samuel Mudd. I am Dr. Mudd, ah. and yes, I know Dr. Bowman, but I'm afraid, sir, this land is not for sale. Well, if I were the owner, I wouldn't part with it either. You wouldn't have any horses for sale, would you, Dr. Mudd? Horses? Why, yes, I could accommodate you. Ah, now, tell me something about the roads leading through here out of Washington. I mean, if someone wished to travel in a hurry, you know. Well, it really depends, Mr. Booth, where one intended to go. South, sir, south. I wonder if we might repair to your house, Doctor. There are some things I would like to discuss with you. Why, certainly. I'm sorry Dr. Bowman didn't apprise me of your arrival. Not his fault. I took him by surprise this morning. We're old friends, you know. 
He told me that you were a quiet advocate of the South. <laughs> Too quiet, I'm afraid. But what can a doctor do? I see our old way of life threatened and ultimately disappearing. However, I put all my faith in General Lee. I hope it's not misplaced, sir. Is your house far from here? No, no, not at all. We can walk it. John Wilkes Booth. You're not by any chance the famous actor. I was, I was. But I shall perform no more. Uh, that will be a great loss to the stage. There's only one play I care to present, and that is Venice Preserved. Oh, I know that play. Isn't the gist of it to save Venice all the officials of the Venetian cabinet are to be assassinated? Dr. Mudd, I have been slowly gathering faithful patriots about me. I have a plan to seize Abraham Lincoln by force. Perhaps as he is driving his carriage about Washington one day, threaten him with instant death if he gives any warning, drive across the Navy Bridge as fast as possible, fresh horses halfway down the peninsula, and put aboard a boat at Port Tobacco at 8 o'clock at night. In an hour, we would be in Virginia behind Confederate lines. Kidnap the president? Hold him for ransom. For what ransom? To agree to stop this civil massacre. To order the North to lay down its arms and to return all Confederate prisoners immediately. Oh, my, 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 my. I have often thought, if only I could be of some service... You can. Your farmhouse, Dr. Mudd, is only 30 miles from the capital. Can I regard it as a way station to freedom... You mean you wish me to have fresh horses ready? What do you wish? To do anything I can to save the Confederacy. Done. Mr. Booth, you said you were gathering men who could be trusted. I know of such a man in John Harrison Surratt. He's in the Secret Service of the Confederacy. When he's home, he lives up the road there with his mother. She's a widow and as loyal a woman to the Confederacy as you're likely to find. Miss, Mrs. Surratt. Mary Eugenie Surratt. She will help. I shall make it a point to see her. But now I must make arrangements to cross the lower Potomac by boat. Like a southern Paul Revere, you are alerting patriots and gathering friends. I am excited about the prospect. Dr. Mudd, a handshake. If you wish to reach me... How shall I know? I shall send a message. It will be, Venice must be preserved. Coachman, stop right here. I want to talk to that man lying in that doorway. Stop right here. Lewis. Uh, Lewis Payne, is that you? Uh, oh, only leave me go away. Lewis, what are you doing lying here on the street? Uh-uh. You've been in an accident. Are you sick? Happy New Year, whoever you are. You look a sight. I never thought I'd run into you looking like this. And here in Washington, let me help you to your feet. Uh, uh, Come on now. Give me your hands. Uh, Give me your hands, man. I can get up alone. It's me. It's me, John Wilkes Booth. Don't you know me? Are you drunk? Oh, I haven't the price of a thimble of ale. No, no, I'm tired. Tired. You look terrible, Lewis. Skin and bones. My carriage is at the curb. I want you to come along with me this instant. Uh, You are, Booth. (laughs) I looked for you everywhere. Ford's Theater. I couldn't find you. Coachman, 
As soon as my friend and I are inside, direct your horses straight to my house. And don't spare the whip. Well, I came too late to that hotel where you were staying in New York. You'd already left. But in the meantime, it's been five weeks. Here it is New Year's Eve. I needed you. Oh, I've been in and out of prison. I had a difference of opinion with a negress servant where I was staying. I asked her to clean my room, and she refused. They said I struck her, threw her on the floor, threatened her life. <laughs> Who are they? She had me arrested. Imagine this black woman. And the provost marshal treated me like a common criminal. Yes, I hit her. Now, why shouldn't I? She disobeyed me. You have no place to stay. I run from everywhere. Military police on every corner. See, they'll catch me for being a deserter. I've been robbed. I haven't any money. Eat scraps in the street before the rats get to them. Tell me no more, Lewis. You shall eat and have a place to rest your head. But first, I must know that you, Lewis Payne, are bound to me, John Wilkes Booth, in thought and deed. Oh, I'll swear to anything. Whatever you have me do, only give me something to eat. Coachman, halt your carriage. Here's some money, Lewis. There's a restaurant at the bottom of this road that has no qualms about the appearance of its clients. Eat all you can, and then return to that white house down there on the corner. You see it? Yes, sir. Ring three times. Then step back into the road, and I shall open a window, an upstairs window, and you will say, Venice must be preserved. And I shall come down and let you in. Gentlemen, tonight, three hours after the start of the new year, 1865, we are gathered each to help light the torch of liberty. Uh, John Wilkes Booth. Yes, Dr. Mudd. There are four of us in this room in your house at an hour when we should all be asleep. Won't you introduce us, please? Forgive me, forgive me. I presume that those with like heart needed no introduction. However, this gentleman on my right is Dr. Samuel Mudd, a physician. To his right, two new recruits to our cause, Mr. David Harold. Davy is employed at Thompson's Drugs, 15th in Pennsylvania, very close to the White House, where he can both observe and act. And sitting beside him, George Atzerodt. George has secured for us a flat-bottomed boat capable of holding 15 persons. And when we take President Lincoln for his unexpected ride across to Confederate lines, George will ferry us across the Potomac. He's a ferryman by trade. Ah, that must be our fifth friend. Let me by, please, so I can open the window. Yes, what do you wish? Stay where you are. I'll be right down. And so it began. A conspiracy which had no parallel in history. Actually, as we look back, we see it as a course plotted by foolish and misguided young men, not so much for honor, but for money. All except perhaps the leader, John Wilkes Booth himself. For Booth was a monomaniac on the subject of the wronged South. So much so that his mind was quite unsettled on the subject. In fact, you could say unhinged. I shall return shortly with Act Two. The plot went forward. To capture President Lincoln... 
spirit him from Washington across the Potomac to Virginia, then hold him hostage to stop the war, release the prisoners, grant amnesty to the rebel army. Only a self-appointed and self-deluded savior could have undertaken this misbegotten task. It's ten minutes to five in the morning, gentlemen. We have carefully discussed the roles each of you are to play, responsibilities, duties, etc., etc. Not a day goes by that I am not about the town of Washington purchasing the tools for freedom. Dr. Mudd, your friend Mrs. Surratt has put her house at our disposal. Made it into a magazine of arms, gunpowder, and ammunition like our ancestors did at Williamsburg. Specifically what arm? Good question, Lewis. Several cartridge boxes, eight carbines. Two of these are fine Spencer carbines. Oh, Spencer's. Now, now I can vouch for them. They fire in rapid succession a number of rounds without reloading. I thought we were party to a kidnapping, not a war. No, your enemy, I say, doctor. Excuse me. A little short of breath. I shall sit down. What is it, John? You're very pale. Quite all right. Quite all right, doctor. Not even tired. I've often stayed up all night talking. True, we are but mortals. And... And... Uh, I, I think we should adjourn the meeting, Dr. Mudd. Well, let's carry him to the sofa. Davy, George... No, let's no. have a hand here. No, 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 I protest. I'm, I'm quite fit. Quite fit. Come in. How are you feeling today, John? Perfectly fine, perfectly fit. How else should I feel, Doctor? Well, yesterday you seemed, shall I say... There's uh, nothing to say. Under a strain? Dr. Mudd, when I need a medical consultation, I shall ask for it. Uh, look, John, I didn't come to beset you, but... Have you seen the evening standard? Yes, I saw it. I brought it along. I told you I saw it. It matters not to me. Nor our plan? Certainly not. The fall of Richmond? Jefferson Davis running for the hills doesn't matter. I think the Confederacy has gone up. Do you now? But it hasn't, I tell you. It hasn't. We'll fight on. And you, Doctor, and I, and my fighters for Southern freedom, we shall act from an unexpected front. Have you enlisted the aid of Captain Surratt yet? No, but I'm very hopeful tonight. He's never been long enough in one place. I told you he's with the Secret Service under General Wilder. I remember, I remember. Do you think I, John Wilkes Booth, have a faulty memory? John, are you sure you feel all right? Yes, right as rain. Yes, Mrs. Surratt has arranged it. I want that Surratt. Secret Service, Secret Service. He must know Maryland and Virginia very well. What is the word? Venice must be preserved. Captain Surratt? Wilkes Booth? I appreciate your meeting me here out in this field. Too much time has elapsed since Dr. Mudd first mentioned your name as an ally. An experienced ally. I've been busy. Yes, so Mrs. Surratt has apprised me walking in and out of the lines of the two armies. Washington, Richmond, New York. I'm not alone in the Confederate Secret Service. My mother tells me she's bound hand and foot to your cause, Mr. Booth. Did she have a message for me? Yes. She has a longer rope uh -huh. and a monkey wrench of the correct size. I gather this is some meaning for you. Would you join our effort, Captain Surratt? 
May I reserve decision until I've heard your scheme? First of all, the longer rope. Are you about to hang, Lincoln? Hmm, I would if I could. No, in the event of our capturing the president, my fellow patriots plan to stretch that rope across some point in the road to break the pursuit of any cavalry that might follow. Uh, and the monkey wrench? Well, as soon as we reach the Potomac, to remove the wheels of the president's carriage and set it bodily on the boat, which we'll ferry across the river. Your intention, then, is one evening when Lincoln makes his daily visit to the soldier's hospital to kidnap him? Mm-hmm. I have almost all the men I need. And if you don't mind my speaking plainly, Booth, what you propose is quite impractical. The idea is not feasible. I don't think you realize the dangers. I don't consider that for a moment. <laughs> Nor do I. Not in my job. But for this, it must be considered... After leaving Washington with President Lincoln, we would have to drive over a hundred miles before we'd cross the Potomac. I know, and having crossed that safely, and I have an excellent ferryman, there is a further long drive from one end of Midland, Virginia, to the other. My dear Booth, aren't you aware that the section is simply swarming with Yankees? Are you certain? Well, I've just come through there. All right. Granted, we do by some miracle get through... And if we reach the Rappahannock and cross it, we might then be reasonably safe. There you are. Even so, I'd say we stand about one chance in 500 in surmounting all those obstacles. From the moment we get possession of Mr. Lincoln's person, the entire country will be in a furor. Boo, think. The President of the United States. He can't be spirited away like an ordinary citizen. I'll take that chance. Any chance. Lewis, are you sure Surratt understood and agreed? Absolutely, John. He told George to tell you it was now or never. I never say never. Nine o'clock. The evening of March 16th, the year of our Lord, 1865. A date that will be long remembered hope I'm here to remember it. You shall be, Lewis. You shall be richer, retired, and respected as one of the liberators of the New South. You shall remember this very spot where you stood at the Long Bridge about to make history. If Surratt does what he agreed to. At what time was Lincoln to visit the soldier's home tonight? Oh, David Harold told me half past seven. How do you find him? Reliable? Davy, I mean. Don't ask me. You assigned him to watch the White House. Well, naturally. He takes medicines over there from his pharmacy. And he has a woman friend who keeps him posted. Wait, 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 wait a moment. Did you say half past seven? You told me Surratt would jump that carriage at half past nine. Well, I never told you anything. I never even saw you. I gave the message to that fool at that, uh, at Surratt. I, I told him what Davy told me, 7.30. Well, if Surratt followed the plan, grabbed the reins of the president's carriage at 7.30... Wouldn't have taken him this long, an hour and a half, to drive through old fields to where we're standing now. Shh, shh. What? What is that? What? I don't hear a thing but the water under the bridge. Lewis, you go across the road and ask Aunt Surratt what time he told me. What difference does it make? What's done is done. Now, look, you handpicked everyone. They were all your choice. And George can't even write his own name. You could have done better. He has wrecked our plan. Now, don't be too certain. 
Surratt may still bring us to president. Why do you keep protecting Joe? Because I am not a ferryman, and neither are you. If anyone can get Lincoln safely across the Potomac, it'll be him. Now go across the road and tell the others to remain on the alert. We will wait until midnight. to know. I'm the marshal of the District of Columbia. You, sir, in that carriage stand and identify yourself. Certainly. I made with him Stanton, the Secretary of War. Secretary Stanton? Oh, forgive me, sir, but word is out there may be an attempt on the life of the president tonight, so we're stopping every horseman in carriage. Marshal, isn't the president at the White House? No, no, Mr. Secretary. The president was scheduled for his evening visit at the soldiers' home, the old 7th Street Hospital. So we're protecting the road. He's not there, Marshal. I can vouch for that. I've just come from there. Carry on, Marshal. You and your men stop everything that moves this night until I send word the president has been found safe. Coachman, the White House. <laughs> President, is that you? Oh, Edward. Good evening. Isn't it a beautiful night? You see those stars? God's in his heaven. Someday we shall say, and all's right with the world. I, I look for you at the soldier's home. Oh, I would have been there if I could. I hate to miss one visit with our boys. Work always seems to interfere. Well, General Hunter and I both feel uneasy when you visit the wounded without a guard. Oh, Edwin, no one wants to kill me. <laughs> what good would my death do anybody? Besides, I can't always be thinking of death. Our soldiers look it full in the face every single day. Why shouldn't I? Uh, do come inside, Edwin. We'll, uh... We'll talk a bit longer. Reba, I'll stay a while, but you must agree to what I propose. Oh, sight unseen? Better than life unlived. This is where Surratt lives when he's in Washington. Dismount, Dr. Mudd. You too, Lois. Yeah, I'd like to give that Captain Surratt a piece of my mind. I've known him and his mother since he was a boy. I simply don't understand. I don't like it a bit, I don't. Lewis, try to contain your temper. Staying up half the night waiting for the infallible captain? If you don't mind, John Wilkes, I have better things to do with my evenings than wait at Bridges. Payne. Yep. Yes, Dr. Mudd? Let's keep the post-mortem of this botch kidnapping a short one. I know how to handle this, Dr. Mudd. Will you... Now, will you get out of my way, Lewis? I want to pull the bell. Booth. Booth, it's two in the morning. If someone were home, they would answer. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Where is Surratt? This is 541, isn't it? Yes, it is. Oh, these houses on 8th Street look alike. If Surratt is here, I suspect a good reason why the mix-up tonight. And what if he is not? Then, Dr. Mudd, I shall expect an even better reason now. Where are you going, Lewis? I'm going to bed. I am not spending one more minute waiting about for your officious, ill-mannered, greedy friend, the captain. 
Something must have happened. Can't you recognize that? You think Surratt is a patriot. I think he's a cowardly opportunist. Good night. Lewis doesn't know the man as you and I do, Doctor. He's jealous of Surratt, always has been. None of them seem to like one another, John. Well, I never pledged them to love, only to serve. My common sense told me all along, abducting the president in his carriage was not a workable idea. Well, Doctor, a good soldier never lets himself run out of ammunition. Explain yourself, John. If the president cannot be captured on his way to the soldier's home, then we shall kidnap him at the theater. He often goes to Ford's. He's a devotee of Shakespeare. One evening, when he's in his box, he can be lifted up from behind and thrown down onto the stage. It's only 12 feet. He can be caught by two of our comrades and hustled out the stage door to a waiting carriage. I've already bought one. Perfect for the occasion. John, are you mad? Don't say that. In front of a theater filled with people... You think they're going to sit quietly and watch a kidnapping of their president as though it were part of the play? All I need is a stagehand or a scene shifter who works at Ford's Theater. Well, frankly, I'm at my wit's end. What would he do? Why turn off all the lights, footlights, audience lights, house lights, everything? Shut down the gas at the main. Plunge the theater into darkness. In a crowded theater? Why, there'd be a riot. Precisely, Dr. Mudd. One needs time to escape. That year, 1865. Assassinations, machinations, all the devious ways men seek to pull their idols down to the ground and under it were not as widespread as today. However, even then, the deed overwhelmed the perpetrator. In this play, Mystery Theater seeks to understand the evildoer more than the evil done. I shall return shortly with Act Three. It is April 1865. A much-loved and much-hated lanky American presides over his country. He stands behind a rocking chair in his bedroom. The oil lamps are lit and he speaks quietly to one of his oldest friends, Edwin Stanton, the Secretary of War. I told you, didn't I? This tall president is Abraham Lincoln. Abe, I'm not staying. I merely came by to see if you were safe. Oh, stay, stay. You know, being president is about as lonely a job as there is. No one wants to talk with you, merely at you. Mrs. Lincoln's retired. I can tell you need the reassuring, not I. Well, it's hard to be calm when the incitements to murder or kidnap appear in the press. Oh, I take it you mean that fool announcement in the Selma dispatch. Edwin, they never liked me in southern Alabama. There's also a rumor of a conspiracy hatched in Richmond to abduct or assassinate you, whichever is found the more practical. Oh, even if it's true, I don't see what the rebels would gain by killing or getting possession of me. I'm but a single individual. Wouldn't help their cause or make the least difference in the progress of the war. Everything would go right on just the same. Mr. President, is that what you call reassuring me? 
should anything ever happen to you, the United States would never, ever be the same. Edwin, one can become accustomed to a great deal, even danger. I'm not asking too much of you, Abe. Oh, no, only that whenever I leave the executive mansion, that six of your tallest guards ride in front of me and six to the rear. (laughs) Do I have it right, Edwin? Uh, Almost, Abe. And six on each side of you as well. Well, I must go now, Mr. President. If I may, I'll bid you good night. And if there are no further objections, we shall place an unobtrusive guard over you. Mm. Well, can I object, Mr. Stanton? After all, you are the Secretary of War. However... Yes? I predict that if all presidents find such precautions necessary, instead of war, they'll be calling your post Secretary of Defense. Who's there? Is that you, Wilt? Yes, Captain Surratt. Great heavens, how long have you been waiting here at my front door? Too long. All right, let's go inside. What the devil happened? Five hours all of us waited at Long Bridge. Lincoln never arrived. I waited for him on 7th. He never appeared. He didn't leave for the soldier's home? That's what I said. I waited till 9. Went around to the White House. I had to wait there two hours before the groom I know came on duty. He said the president was indisposed and never left the White House. I told you it wouldn't work. I was ready to jump his carriage as we planned. How much longer is this going to go on? Every southern soldier will have bled to death, and I'll be in the poorhouse before we seize Lincoln. There'll be other opportunities, Booth. We just have to be patient. Wait. Wait? Have you any idea, Surratt, what all this is costing me? Six men and myself? The ammunition stored at your mother's? Why, the pair of Spencer carbines brand new came to $300. A boat I had to buy, a buggy, a carriage. I haven't even mentioned the rental of horses for each of us and boarding houses, lodgings, meals, while we wait, wait, wait for the opportune moment. I've mortgaged my earnings for years. All right, I have a suggestion. Mm -hmm. Why don't you play a benefit here in Washington? They'll pay you handsomely. A special performance at Ford's Theater? Hmm. I may just have to. John Wilkes, this is a ridiculous waste of time. Riding around Washington in your carriage with... We've been up and down Pennsylvania Avenue for the better part of an hour. You haven't said a word. All you do is keep looking at all the other carriages. Have I said nothing, Lewis? Well, I've been thinking the unthinkable. Was it only a month ago we failed in our plan of kidnapping? <laughs> Last. We were ready, all of us, waiting for Surratt to drive up with his prisoner, but the president didn't oblige it. What's that in your hand? Handcuffs. Surratt had them to handcuff Lincoln once we had captured his carriage. You snapped them in and out. Mm. Mm. I've had them on my wrist. I don't like them. They lock with a key. Yes, they do, Lewis. But we have lost that key. The key to free my land from its bondage. Now the North will be our masters forever. It's all over now. Don't you know the news? No. Lee surrendered to Grant yesterday at Appomattox. The South will now forevermore be in chains. So I 
put these handcuffs back into my pocket. No point in kidnapping Lincoln now, I see. Of course. There's nothing to stop that treacherous man from being president as, as long as he lives. Is there? Well, I doubt he'd wish it. <laughs> but the country would let him. Driver. Driver, look sharp. You see that carriage coming towards me? Drawn by two grays? Well, follow it, driver, will you? Turn, turn, turn around. Turn around and follow it. Don't you... Don't you understand what I say? Don't let that coach now out of your sight. Whose carriage is that? Lincoln's. Following won't do any good. He, he's 12 deep in guard. Well, you can never tell. I'm very accurate with a derringer. But I haven't brought mine with me. The more's the pity. Oh, now you listen to me, John Wilkes. If you ever get a notion to shoot the president from a carriage I'm riding in, warn me. Now, I'd like to have a few hours of notice so I can prepare my skate. Very well, Lewis. Consider yourself unnoticed as of this moment. Through what, John Wilkes? A special benefit at Ford's Theater tomorrow for the benefit of the dying Confederacy. night, not after your message. Dr. Mott, I haven't slept at all the entire night. Do you know what day it is today? Certainly, April 14th. Oh, it's more than that. It's Good Friday. Is it now? Good Friday? Well, it'll be a black Easter for the North before this weekend is passed. You have my spurs. Right here in this chest. Ah, will you give me a hand to put them on, Doctor? Yeah. To have one come loose has to happen just once. When I've done the deed and jumped a dozen feet from the president's box to the stage, believe me, nothing will stop my escape. Keep your feet clear of the flags around the box. They could trip you. It's my head that must remain clear, not my feet. Now you listen, Captain Surratt. I am not impressed with your pussyfoot and secret service. You have never seen any real action. All through the war, I bet you slept in a bed every night. That's fine talk from you, Mr. Deserter. It got too hot for you, did it? Oh, uh, Booth is here. Payne, you and I'll talk later. Good day, gentlemen. I've asked you all to meet me here for final instructions and assignments. George, Lewis, Davy, John, you and I are all provided with horses. Uh, sir, am I getting the one-eyed bay? I like her. She's fast. You are. John Surratt. Sir. You know what you have to do at the box at Ford's Theater. It's the right box as you face the stage. That's it. Consider it done. Oh, where's Dr. Mudd? He's out of the picture. He will remain at his house where Davy and I will hide for the first 24 hours. Well, I thought you were going to my mother's place. You are, John. But if they connect you with us, don't stay there too long. It'll be the first place the Federalists will think of. Uh, George, you head back to Georgetown and then on to Maryland. Be sure to return your horse to Keller's stable first. Act calmly as if this was none of your affair. There'll be another horse for you behind the Herndon house. Now, as to the assignments, Lincoln is mine. And uh, which traitor do I get? You know, the Secretary of State Seward, as planned. All right, I go with a package from his doctor. Davy, you supply the medicine. Uh -huh, gain admittance, go to his bedroom, and then dash his brains out with my pistol. <laughs> I want to be able to take care of him in three minutes. And what's our know-it-all Captain Surratt gonna do? 
shine the buttons on his jacket? I'm not taking that from any Confederate deserter. Hold on. Hold on now, you two. I... I... Booth. Booth. Well, what is it? John Booth, are you all right? Yes. Yes, yes, everybody. Now, listen. We cannot... We cannot afford to quarrel among ourselves. Now, do you understand that? Each of us has a duty to perform. Surratt, pain. When this April the 14th has passed, you two can duel one another, do anything you please. But now, you belong to me and the cause. What time is it, Captain? Four o'clock. All right, the curtain goes up in four hours. Does that give you enough time, John, to take care of the president's box? I can do it in half an hour. Your man by the back door will lead me into the theater. Now, Fords will be empty all afternoon. The stagehand will be there. Just say booth to him, and he'll look the other way. Now, you go right in. I'll meet you, John, in the alley behind the theater at nine. The rest of you. Be sure you've covered your tracks. Your lives depend on it. Well, then, till death do us part. Everything is ready. Just as we planned. I cut a hole in the inner door leading to the box. Right where you'll be able to see Lincoln sitting in his chair. And what about the outer door? I left that short piece of two-by-four where you can wedge it against the outer door. So after you fired the shot, jump clear to the stage. It'll delay anyone trying to get to the president. My job's done, John Wilkes. The rest is up to you. I'll hide in the alley till it's time. You signal me when the second act's begun. You can count on me. I'll signal. The second act of our American cousin is the most diverting. As soon as I see your sign, I'll slip past the guard. They're usually so taken up with the play they can't be bothered. And I'll be inside the first door. And then, a quick look through the peephole. And then... Then, Venice will be preserved. Heaven help you, Booth. Six Semper Tyrannus. Goodbye. I see him. I can see him. Hated man. Now let it work. Mischief thou art afoot. Take thou what course thou wilt. played Mark Antony on the American stage, believed himself to be a Marcus Brutus on the American scene, an avenger of tyranny. And so ended, perhaps, the greatest conspiracy of them all. And so began, certainly, our greatest tragedy, the death of our greatest president. theater attempt such authenticity in what is, after all, a playhouse of the unpredictable and the unknown. 
In this dramatization of this infamous conspiracy, no events or names were changed. And the tragic drama was drawn from the archives of the United States government, the U.S. Military Commission, records of the trial, the newspapers of the day, and the diary of John Wilkes Booth himself. Our cast included Kevin McCarthy, Russell Horton, Arnold Moss, and Court Benson. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.